Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from RNZ Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the program this week, the Black Caps and White Ferns are bundled out of the World T20, but the tournament's still been a success for the New Zealand cricketers. We preview the start of the Trans-Tasman netball competition, and there's plenty of pressure on the New Zealand sides. Lisa Carrington heads the New Zealand canoe lineup for this year's Rio Olympics, and the men's and women's New Zealand seven sides gear up for the next rounds of the World Series on their road to Rio. The World T20 is over for the Black Caps and White Ferns, and while the New Zealand cricketers failed to make the final, they can still look back on it as a successful tournament. Both the men's and women's teams were knocked out in the semi-finals in India. During the tournament, the Black Caps rose to second on the World T20 rankings and went unbeaten in pool play, their only loss being to England in the final four clash. The apparent seamless transition of the captaincy from Brendan McCullum to Kane Williamson and the performances of young spinners Ish Sodi and Mitchell Santner were all positives to come out of the tournament. Williamson says he's enjoyed taking on the mantle of captain. The overall tournament was a real positive. We played some good, consistent T20 cricket, and the guys have adapted so well, um, grown so much as a, as a bowling unit, um, I suppose matured as well um, in this part of the world, which is extremely important for themselves and the team moving forward. So there's been a number of guys that have um, had, a, had a very good tournament. In fact, um, I think when you reflect back on some of the surfaces and we've had some low scores that were, were winning totals, um, I think the batters were, were very good as well throughout the tournament in terms of contributing to those winning totals. So a lot of positives throughout the tournament to take back. The Black Caps coach Mike Hesson says their performance in the semi-final was disappointing, especially given their strong start with the bat. However, he's happy with the way the team carried themselves throughout the tournament and says they played some excellent cricket to make it to the final four. Hesson says the whole team played brilliantly, but he picked out the emergence of Sodi and Santner on the subcontinent pitches as a personal highlight. The impact of the two spinners was quite profound and augurs well for the Black Caps on the international stage over the next decade. Yes, they were bowling on spinner-friendly conditions, but they outplayed many of their more experienced subcontinent continent opposition. New Zealand cricket spin bowling coach Paul Wiseman has worked with Sodi and to a lesser degree Santner and says given their relative ages, Sodi is just 23 and Santner 24, they performed well. He told Stephen Houston that Sodi has come a long way in the past year. He's just maturing as a person. I mean, he's a young guy and he was thrown in um, pretty early on in his career into, into what's a very tough environment um, and probably one of if not the toughest skills to, to um try and deliver and, and legs than bowling and um, you know it's just been about getting processes and routines in place and and probably not heaping as much pressure on himself as he did, as he has done in the past he he's loves the game so much and he's a real student of the game and and um, it means a great deal to him and and I think sometimes it it almost that that was a little bit uh, probably played too much of a part in it and he's taking a a slightly more relaxed approach about it and really enjoying the whole situation. He's He's got some very simple routines in place now and, and they seem to be holding him in really good stead. As a development for, for a leg spinner, I mean, he, he is very young and it's almost late 20s, isn't it, before, before a leg spinner maybe comes into their prime? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, he's just shown a lot of uh, 
the word talent, I suppose, is thrown around. He's shown a lot of that and potential early on in his career. And, um, you know, he, he's had some good success and then he's been thrown thrown in the... Well, not so much thrown in the deep end, but he's, he's, he's you know, played international cricket as a young league spinner uh, and had some success and had some tough times as well. And he's gone away and played in domestic cricket again and, and honed his game more. Um, had a very good domestic white ball season this season and, and obviously did really well against Australia as well when he got given that opportunity and, and he's just going from strength to strength. The thing I like that he's starting to do now is, is get the ball going up and down which is allowing him to turn the ball and he's far more confident as well using the, or the use of his wrong in which um, was highlighted in the last game when he got a couple of guys bowled through the gate. Um, so and, and that just grows with confidence and when you get players like the Virat Kohli out, um, you know that that gives confidence, and, and it's such a big thing in in all sport, but in particular as a leg spinner in international cricket. Do you think that that win over India has, I mean, set things rolling so much that it's the impact of it had, had oh, can't be underestimated, and, and the role that he and Santana played in that victory? Oh, I think it's got to, it's got to have an effect on both those guys. They're both young in terms of international cricket. And to go out against a team that sort of wants as one of the best of playing spin in, in their own, you know, in their own backyard, and to have that sort of success is um, is can only be a good thing. Um, the great thing about those two is they're they're pretty grounded individuals as well. What sort of statement does it make too about the future for the Black Caps? Um, well, I think I think things for the Black Caps have been moving in the right direction for a few years now, which is great. And you know, we've had success with bat and obviously the pace bowling over the last couple of years and, and, and now it's great to see the spin bowling side of things coming in and we've actually really developed some, some good depth there particularly in, with the white ball um, there's a number of guys that can probably slot in there and, and the red ball's developing as well with, with both those guys and obviously Mark Craig and Todd Astle and, and so forth sitting there so um, I think I think all in all you know um, New Zealand cricket's moving in the right direction. Um, they're building that depth, which is what you need to be, be a consistent performer at, at that level, and, and we're starting to see those results. I mean, there wouldn't have been too many people that would have thought that the Black Caps would have got to this stage of the competition, and Trent Bolt and Tim Sowdy are yet to be seen. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? But that, again, that shows the depth, and it also shows that we can adapt, and that's not always been the strength of New Zealand cricket. You know, we've, we've usually done pretty well at home, um, but I, I suppose the true indication of a, a quality international side is those that can tour and tour well and and get the sort of results that we've been getting. Um, and and obviously it's been pushed even further with having to having to change and adapt to different services in past uh, years gone by. Teams New Zealand teams may not have adapted as well as they have. So hopefully that holds them in good stead for you know years years to come. Paul Wiseman speaking to Stephen Hewson. Meanwhile, the White Ferns were beaten by the West Indies by six runs in their World T20 semi-final in Mumbai. After being put into bat, the Windies made 143 for six and then restricted the White Ferns to 137 for eight in reply. The White Ferns captain, Susie Bates, concedes their opponents played better in most facets of the game and says the Windies' impressive fielding stared them a couple of vital wickets. Sophie Devine's run-out was pretty crucial. Um, Sophie, the way she was going, could have taken the game away from the West Indies, so... I can't really put my finger on any turning point in particular. There were just um, phases of the game where I thought the West Indies outplayed us with bat and ball. 
The West Indies play Australia in the Women's World T20 Final, which is in Kolkata on Sunday night, directly preceding the men's title match between the West Indies and England at the same venue. The ninth edition of the Trans-Tasman Netball competition starts tonight, but it's what's happening off the court that's generating just as much talk. The Australian sides are again emerging as the favourites to take the title. And it's the lack of competition from New Zealand teams that could in part lead to the demise of the league. Bridget Tunnicliffe reports. Next year, Netball Australia wants to add three local teams to their competition and ditch the games against New Zealand sides. One of the options is to retain a trans-Tasman element by having a playoff at the end of the season between the country's top sides. A New Zealand franchise has claimed the title only once and former Australian captain Liz Ellis says our players don't cope as well with the intensity. It seems to me that the Australian teams are able just to play at a higher intensity for longer. So if that's been addressed during the off-season by the Kiwi sides, I'll be wrapped. You know, it adds a real sense of legitimacy to Australia and New Zealand, both sides of the ditch battling it out. Alice says on paper the Northern Mystics should emerge as the top New Zealand side, but says the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic have a good work ethic and are better at pushing Australian sides. No team has ever won back-to-back titles, but this year many are tipping the Queensland Firebirds could break that trend after attaining their starting seven. New rule changes have been introduced to help speed up the game, including the elimination of two-minute tactical timeouts. The former Silver Fern captain Belinda Collings says it will be a good test of a team's character. Only having 30-second stoppages and having to make immediate changes and how teams use that um, tactically could be really, really interesting. The Achilles heel of the competition has been Australia's difficulty in attracting a host broadcaster over there. But after the success of the World Cup in Sydney last year, Netball Australia fancy their chances of standing on their own feet financially. So far, they've survived on money from New Zealand's Sky TV. Liz Ellis says because of the one-sidedness of some of the trans-Tasman clashes and the popularity of the local derbies with TV viewers, broadcasters could also favour a split. What the broadcasters want will definitely drive a lot of the decisions that are made. My concern is to make sure that we get a really good broadcast deal and that we continue to grow the sport. But I think it would be a shame if the two countries separated completely. I'd like to see some form of hybrid. The Southern Steel captain Wendy Frew is an ANZ Competition Foundation player. She says they are not letting what's happening off the court distract them. The girls are really just focused on the season ahead and just wanting to perform this year and then I guess what happens next year will happen. So we sort of aren't talking about it a lot and um, we're just really wanting to fire this year and enjoy the season and, and put some good netball performances together. The Northern Mystics coach Debbie Fuller says it would be disappointing if the Trans-Tasman Games were scrapped. She says their best response is to put on a good show this season. Our job is to um, put a game style out on court that is going to keep the game relevant and keep the game um, really popular. The new rules have allowed the flow to happen more, which is where exciting netball happens. It's expected details of the format for next year's competition will be announced around mid-May. For Extra Time, Bridget Tunneycliffe. Back for the Northern Mystics this season is veteran defender Anna Harrison. Harrison turns 33 in a couple of weeks, having taken last year off from netball following the birth of her second child. She spoke to Stephen Hewson about the season ahead. It's been awesome to be back. Uh, It's been a great timing for me in terms of making sure I've done the work before I take the netball court. Um, Yeah, the biggest challenge is sleep, really, and everyone that's asked me how's it going will be aware of that. It's just the recovery that you need and you get from a good night's sleep is really important. (laughs) sort of few and far between for me at times. 
does it feel a while since you've been part of the the whole group and the competition? Uh, yeah, quite it does. In terms, yeah, I mean, it's been a year out. Um, it was a year back in and then a year out with Isaac. So yeah, it's been a bit bitsy. Um, and again, just with the run-up and the build-up, it feels like I've been in the picture a lot longer than sort of just turning up and three months after you know, having Isaac and then trying to get on the netball court. So, yeah, feeling really fit and strong. I'd like to think that that's why I made the Fern squad again, is um, I also showed that I'm back on track and um, it wasn't sort of a messy selection. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling really good, um, jumping some of the best jumps I've done in a while. So, yeah, things are lining up really well. What about combinations and things? Has it been easy enough to slot back into things or or changes in the squad have meant that you've got to sort of work on a few things? Well, we've been working on quite a few things. I guess um, me coming back into the mix, getting used to playing with... I mean, I've played with Tim Sulu, who's new, and then you've got Serena out, and I watched her last year. I was like, yes, we get to play with her, so that's pretty cool. So we've been nutting things out, but we're going into this game feeling really confident, and we know we've got the talent, and even the young ones sitting on the bench, I mean, they that's so great. So, got a lot of faith and trust in the players around us. Expectation. I mean, the Mystics have been underperformers. I mean, you're obviously keen to put that behind you this season. Of course, we are. Yep. Um, yeah, aware that Mystics tend to have a little bit of that um, history, but um, we've shown at times um, through history as well that we can really knock it with the best, and that's what we're aiming to do. We're always aiming to do that. So, it's. Um, charging along good so far. Have you talked about that within the squad? Well, it's a cultural thing, and there's been heaps to talk about cultural, and and actually for me, coming back in, missing last year, um, coming back in this year, yeah, I've seen a shift, and I've seen a change, and well, a few things that they do differently, and it creates that, yeah, a good culture. So it's been really nice coming in and seeing that shift. What, What things in particular have struck you? Well, there's a few things that they do to make you build that sort of pride. So a dress handing out, the way that we come to the stadium, um, the way that... Yeah, there's a few other things within training um, that we do together. Uh, I won't give it all away, but yeah, there is definitely a change. And um, work ethics as well. It's been a real... And some players just that real commitment to training. And the young ones coming through definitely have that. So. And you've been practising that lift too? Yeah, yes, we have. <laughs> Those girls love chucking me up there. Um, it's t- it has to change because you can't attack it on the way down anymore. It is unfortunate that they did that. It just it does. It's still possible to do it. It just changes timing and does actually make it a lot more difficult. You've got the the steel first up. Uh, I mean, that's a, a, a local derby. Quite a, a, a an assignment first up. Yeah, it is. It's great to have that first home game. First of the season's nice too. But having it at home is really cool. Hopefully the fans get along. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's always a good battle. First game against the tall bird in the back, so we've got our structures and ideas of how to combat that. Anna Harrison speaking to Stephen Hewson, and you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme from RNZ Sport. Despite being a multiple world champion, the defending Olympic gold medalist and New Zealand's most successful sprint canoeist, Lisa Carrington, is adamant she can get better. Carrington is among six canoeists who have been selected for the New Zealand Olympic team for Rio, with five of them set to make their Olympic debut. She will compete in the K1 200 and a K1 500, and for the first time there will also be a New Zealand women's K4 boat, and the sole male member of the team is K1 1000 paddler Marty McDowell. Carrington told John Campbell on Checkpoint what keeps her motivated. 
Just the fact that um, I really enjoy what I do, but also the fact that um, I want to grow and get better, keep learning, and I feel like there's still more to go, so that kind of keeps me going. So when you're Olympic champ and world champ and all of that, how do you get better? Um, I think it's just knowing that there's, or figuring out where, you know, the edge of the cliff is and keep pushing out the boundary um, and trying to find areas that you can still improve because even though, just say we are, I am a world champion, I am an Olympic champion, it doesn't mean that I've reached my potential. So it's always about finding my limit and finding what I'm capable of, really. And is that technique, is it strength, is it fitness? If you do find out what you're capable of, what will you change? I kind of don't think I'll ever find out or completely <laughs> find out what I'm capable of. It's kind of like a never-ending journey. It's kind of point in that direction and we'll just see how we go. So, yeah, like I think there's many things that I can work on, whether it's mental, um, physical, um, technical. You know, there's, I think it's a never-ending journey, really. If we go back and look at your world championship successes, the first was in 2011, then 2013, there's none in an Olympic year, of course, but you were the world champ, 2014, yeah. 2015. If we look at the women's K4 crew, the first ever women's K4 crew that's just been named, they will have been inspired by you, won't they? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of, um, it's great to see that from the last Olympics, um, the strength of uh, kayaking, um, New Zealand, uh, women's kayaking in New Zealand has improved and to see uh, that kind of come into fruition in the announcement of the um, Olympic team this year and uh, it's really cool to see that we're sending two more females than we had last time and also these girls work hard, they're strong and I'm really excited for what they've got, they're going to achieve. What are you personally aiming for? Are you aiming for a double gold in the two and five? Yeah I think I've I mean, that's what we all line up for, you know, we line up for that number one spot, but only one person's going to get it really, but ultimately, I'm just, I want to go out there and just see what I'm capable of ultimately, and um, whether that's winning or whether that's coming second or last, you know, I just hope that I get there um, and, you know, do my best, and the work that I've put in for the last, I don't know, 10 or so years is, you know, just keeping on progressing, but I mean... There are plenty of other paddlers out there in the world that are working as hard or harder than me and they're all going fast. So, I mean, I have to keep um, progressing to, you know, keep working forward. Yeah. Did any of them, though, win two gold medals at the recent, gold, at the recent World Champs? Oh, maybe not since I kind of talked. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is, the, this is the thing about you. You are one of the most formidable and successful athletes in New Zealand history. I mean, it's hard to kind of think that I am, and I guess right now it's, you know, I probably don't appreciate it so much right now, but I'm sure when I look back, um, when I'm, you know, grey and wrinkly, um, I'll be pretty proud of what I've achieved. <laughs> yeah, you, have every, you have every right to be. Let's talk about your training regime. The 200 is a sprint. I mean, it's basically your sports equivalent of the 100-metre dash on the track, right? How do you train for that? How do you get better and faster? What do you do? I guess it's, we're 40 seconds, so I mean there is, a, um, there is an element of endurance to that and also strength is really important, power, um, so technique is a huge thing as well. Um, really, so talking about all these things, uh, training, getting in the gym, um, time on the water, um, being really specific with um, 
you know, training and what I'm getting out of it. Just hoping that, um, you know, that I'm, I am getting fitter, stronger, faster, that type of thing. And so what's the difference between the 200 and the 500? The extra 300 metres makes it much more about endurance, does it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can't uh, go in the 500, I can't go out as hard as I do um, in the 200, but there are aspects of the 200 that um, do apply to the 500. Uh, so with the 500 being uh, a minute 50 and the 200 being 40 seconds, you know, there is a little bit more time that I have to be, I have to be efficient. Um, I have to find a way to save energy but still go fast because I still need to get to the to the end as hard as the fast as I can but um, ultimately in the most efficient way possible. Are you looking forward to it? Are you looking forward to Rio? Yeah I am being um, with the other paddlers who have been announced and um, it does it, it gets me really excited it's nice that we've um, been able to have um, an announcement like this and it's really cool I mean these the other paddlers you know it's the first time that they're going to the Olympics so it's really special to see um, how important it is to them as well. Lisa Carrington talking to John Campbell. The New Zealand men's and women's sevens teams head to their respective next rounds of the World Series as they continue their preparations for the Rio Olympics. Sonny Bill Williams and Isaac Tetamaki return from injury and are joined by Liam Messam and Hurricanes player Peter Aki in the men's team for their next two rounds in Hong Kong and Singapore. Barry Guy spoke with coach Sir Gordon Titchens who is still without a number of key players including those still involved in Super Rugby and the likes of Augustine Pulu who is recovering from a broken arm he suffered playing in Sydney earlier in the competition. He's on schedule, he's uh, getting his cast off on Thursday in Auckland and then he's back to running of course, uh, working particularly hard and again he was someone that never played sevens at this level and excelled in the two tournaments that he was part of so um, I'm looking forward to him coming back as well and uh, he adds another dimension in the game of sevens. So when nearly all these players come back it's, uh, it adds a lot of strength and depth to the side. I think, um, you know, I spoke to Sonny Bill Williams yesterday as an example and um, he said sevens is the most challenging sport that I've ever been part of. You know, he can be a fine rugby player, but sevens is actually another beast. And again, I've always said to be good at this game, you've got to be playing it and training it. And it's, 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 it's true facts. And uh, So anyone that now is, wants to put their hand up for the Olympics, they need to do so pretty quickly because um, it's got to come around pretty fast. And the conditioning levels that we need to be at are paramount to, be, to success. You know, the last few tournaments, you watch the, and I know you've got a whole lot of new guys, you watch the first day, and to me, they almost look a little bit lost. But come the second day, it's all, it all seems to gel, working yeah. together. Am I being too harsh there? Now, in, the, in a sevens tournament, generally, on day one, it's about qualifying, being in the top two. So you, you go on to the cup championship, which is, which is what it's all about. And, and of course, when you've got new players and you give them opportunities of whatever part of those games are, there's a, generally a lot of nerves. But I'd like to, I like to put those players with some of the experienced players so they can handle the occasion and the pressure that's that's put upon them. But um, some games can be really fluent, like in Vegas, where our first two games we won by 40, you know, over teams like Russia, you know, and um, and and so. Our last tournament, if you like, we had a, a tough game against England first up in our pool. It was 7-0. We beat them 7-0. So we actually started getting better. We defended really well. It was a hell of a game, but to still win it 7-0, and then we went on to, a, to our next game. Of course, because um, they didn't get any easier, the games, either. Then we had France, you know, and that was a toughie. And then, of course, our, 
our last game at night, which is, and they're always tough because they, they don't get any easy, was against the USA. And we won those three, and you always feel a tough draw gets you up mm. because the teams are very even now. And there's no easy games, so you still got to win them. So um, going into, obviously, the second day was starting with Samoa, Australia, and then, of course, uh, finishing off with a good rate win over South Africa. And we did. We had a good feeling. There's, you, you seem to get it. I seem to get it as a coach. I actually just see how they're building towards what we need to. And um, as I said before, your game can change so much and how you play it. And if you've got players that are being knocked out through injury, then all of a sudden you starting to be a little slightly decimated in terms of your numbers that you have so there's more pressure on some of the players to last every minute of every game and and that's what it's all about the ideal sevens team if they can share the workload and you've got players with similar experience then you're generally okay but when you've got new younger players coming in it's always a massive challenge and uh, because as you can understand making a mistake or an error missing a pa- uh, missing a tackle dropping a pass can be massively influential on a player's performance and uh, it's how they can flush that and get on with the next job but it'll still grow them and it's an experience that they'll never you can never take away from them going back to hong kong was 94 your first one there 94 in Hong Kong, yeah. yeah. 22 years, and I was there as a player in, in the first All Black Sevens team in 83, so I've been sort of visiting Hong Kong for a long, long time. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a special place. It's To me, it's the, the capital of the, the world in terms of Sevens, and it always will be, because that used to be the only tournament. It used to be one tournament a year, and it was always the Hong Kong Sevens. And that was for the first three years, my first three experiences in winning that. And then, of course, from then on, the tournament started to grow. And look, we've got now 10 tournaments this year in a World Series, so it just continues to grow. Sir Gordon Titchens. Meanwhile, there are three new faces in the women's squad for Atlanta in the United States and Langford in Canada. Among the 14-strong New Zealand squad for the two North American leagues are Jana Vaughan and Tarina Tetamaki, who were contracted in January along with newcomer Teresa Fitzpatrick. The women's coach, Sean Horan, says the additions are all about building depth in preparation for Rio. It's a, continue of a, a continuation of a plan for 216. Um, we need to find some good quality depth. We've got some outstanding rugby players, you know, and we've, we've shown that. We've, we've also got to, you know, raise the, raise the bar around competition. And by bringing some, some younger, enthusiastic players sometimes raises that competition and awareness to other players that, um, that you know, have been the stalwart of our, our success. Um, it just, you know, brings that competitive edge in. And I think that's probably something that we've been missing a little bit. You know, we haven't won um, a World Series tournament in four tournaments now. And that's a long time between drinks for us. So, you know, for, for us, it's about looking at where we're going, the depth that we want to create, and also bringing, bringing a bit of energy back into the, into the squad. The New Zealand women's sevens coach, Sean Horan. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via our RNZ Sport Twitter and Facebook accounts and our email, sport at radionz.co.nz. We'll be back next week with the next Extra Time show. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.